And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. We ask as we go to your word right now that we would be encouraged and strengthened in our faith. Lord, to know you better is to love you more. We want to know you better so we can love you more. We ask, Lord, that you would minister to every heart that is here. Lord, I pray if anybody's here that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. Pray also for those that are watching on live stream, those that will hear this on the radio later. And Lord, we ask that your word would minister to every heart. I pray that there would be less of me and more of you. We don't want the words of man, we want the word of God. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name we pray and all God's people said. Amen. All right, so in context quickly, Satan is doing a full court press on the early church. They had outward persecution from the Romans, from Caesar Nero and others who were persecuting Christians. Christians being fed to lions, being imprisoned. They're on the run for their life often. So that was 1 Peter. 2 Peter now, he warns them of what actually could be a greater threat. Not only outward persecution, but inward false teaching, inward corruption. And we've been talking about this the last several weeks, the warning that was put forth about false teachers creeping into the church and preaching a message that is contrary to the truth of the gospel. And I think today we've gotten so politically correct and so afraid of what people might think that we apologize for the gospel. We must never apologize for the gospel. Amen? Amen. It is the greatest news ever. We should preach it with boldness. We should be unashamed of it. And we should exhibit the love of Christ to the world around us. What was happening were some Christians were abandoning their faith. The church is only 30 years old or so at this point. And some of them, because of the outward persecution and because of the false teaching, they were being led astray. And Peter, this is his last will and testament, if you will. Uh, today's verses are going to be the last words he speaks in the Bible. And when you hear the last words coming from a man used mightily by God, who's filled with the spirit of the living God, we need to take heed because there's extra weight to those words. So there, 2,000 years later again, we're talking about outward persecution and inward false teaching. Satan's tactics have not changed. Now, we don't understand it. We've, we've tasted it a little more than ever because of COVID, uh, some persecution. But we don't know what it's like in uh, much of the world where many places where being a Christian gets you thrown in jail. Being a Christian can get you attacked. And being a Christian can have you put to death. There were more people martyred for the Christian faith last year than any other time in human history. And it only gets more and more and more. And because we live in a place where being put to death is not a threat, we may lose sight of that. But that's the tactic of Satan. He wants to silence believers. He wants to persecute people so that they will walk away from their faith. And the other thing he wants to do is bring in false teachers who have a smile on their face, are very charismatic, but teach a false gospel that draws people away from the truth. And so Peter's exhortation here now, as we get to it, this last chapter, the last portion of this chapter, is really a plea and an exhortation. These are his final words. And again, all the scoffers who lived focusing on immediate gratification, he's going to address all of that. In the midst of all these early Christians may have begun to allow both their circumstances and their attacks on the truth of God's word to, under, to undermine their faith. Maybe Jesus isn't coming. Maybe they whispered that to each other. The word was that he's coming back. 
And there might be those who would say, I'll make sure I don't walk that way. Thanks, brother. Thank you. About trip just then. It's going to be a good message today. <laughs> Bible rocks, amen? Thanks, Clark. But here's the thing. We don't want our focus to get distracted. We don't want to allow what's going on in the world. I've had a lot of calls the last couple of weeks from people in a lot of despair because of what's going on in the world. Now, I get it. What's going on in the world is something that can cause us to despair. But we should not despair because we know who's in control. And God's not surprised by any of this. And as I just said to, to Tad, I said, you know, it says it'll be as in the days of Noah, but we're not the only ones building the boat. Amen? We're not building it by ourselves. We're in this together. The world needs Jesus. We need to be unashamed of the gospel. We need to proclaim the truth with boldness. We shouldn't focus on temporary persecution or the un ungodly undermining of the truth, but the surety of God's promises. I don't care what anybody else has to say. I don't care how the word of God is put under attack. I've read the book. I know the author, and it's the truth. Amen? And we should not, again, be fearful of it. So last week, we looked at empty words and simple truth. You have the empty words of the false teachers and the simple truth of God's word. And then grab your outline if you've got it. And I got to admit, here's an outline that, yeah, I, I, I wrestled with whether or not I should call it this or not, but here's the reality. It's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Back in the 70s, we said that all the time. You got to ding in your new car, bro, I'm going to heaven. It's all going to burn. Amen? Something fell apart. Hey, dude, it's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. And I promise you, everyone who's left here and gone to heaven is not worried about any dings in any car they ever owned. They're not worried about their, their, the remodel that needed to be done in their house or how much money they had in their 401k or all this stuff that we can get consumed with. It, meant, it means absolutely nothing when we're in heaven, and it really should not be that important when we're here. Amen? Now, be good stewards of what God has given you, but praise God for his grace. So quickly, let's look at the outline. And living in the light of God's promises and his coming judgment. We're going to see two major points and some sub-points on the second one. First of all, the surety of his coming. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. There was an old movie I had made in that back in the 70s called A Thief in the Night. I think they spent $4 on that movie. <laughs> the, message, the message was great, but... It was like watching eight-year-olds put on a play or something, right? You're all for them, but not that great. But here's the reality. The truth is that it's going to happen when nobody expects it. And for us as believers, we should be excited about it. But if you don't know the Lord, you should be concerned. For those who know the Lord, it's a great and glorious promise, especially in the midst of difficult and trying times. And for those who don't know the Lord, it is a harsh promise. Warning, again, I wrote the verse down there from Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like in the days of Noah? Rampant wickedness, total rebellion against God, sexual perversion, uh, homosexuality was rampant, uh, God was cursed, his name was used as a curse, God was mocked, nobody wanted anything to do with the Lord. Sounds, sounds familiar, doesn't it? And so as it will be, was in the days of Noah, so it will be when Jesus Christ comes back. No man knows the day or the hour, but the Bible tells us we can know the season. And I believe we're in rapture season, amen? And we should be living every day in light of his soon return. So not only the surety of his coming, but we're going to see how should we live. So now in light of the fact of what's going on in the world, in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back soon, how should you and I live? Should we go climb up on a mountain somewhere and 
you know, keep to ourselves and hum and chant and stay away from the wickedness of the world? No. That's not what God's called us to do. We're called to be salt and light in this place. Amen? You are a light that God uses to reach people for the gospel. And we are called to our neighborhoods. We're called to our workplace. When you show up at work tomorrow, the Holy Spirit just entered the building. When you're walking around your dog around the neighborhood, the Holy Spirit is rocking around your neighborhood. Guys, God still has us here because the work's not done yet. There's still people that need to be saved. Some people say, why won't the Lord come back? He should have come back by now. Well, he was, he's waiting for those who are still to be saved. Aren't you glad he waited for you? Amen? Amen? And so we should be mindful of the fact that as he waits, he waits out of love for us. So here's the three points in how we should live in anticipation of a soon return. First, live holy. Make the priority and passion of your life to serve the Lord and to walk in faithful obedience to him. Live every day in light of eternity. The stuff that bums you out, is it going to matter in heaven? The stuff that you're struggling with, the, the, the difficulty, the, the difficult boss. By the way, we shouldn't be surprised if people who don't know God act like they don't know God. Amen? And when they act like they don't know God, it's because they need to hear about God, and you're the one standing next to them, so get busy about sharing your faith. Amen? And start living it out loud so that people can see the Lord. So live holy. Belief reflected, reflected in our behavior. As Christians, we should be different than the world. And we don't want to win arguments. We want to win people. The only thing we're taking to heaven with us is people. And we should live different. We should be the most kind, loving, joyful, and gracious people on the planet, even when gas is eight bucks an hour, a, a gallon. Won't matter in heaven. Amen? Just means when it all burns, it's going to be more expensive. Amen? Physical things of this life are of little importance. And again, take good care of the stuff God's given you, but don't make that more important than the Lord because, again, it's all going to burn. Number, number two there, not only live holy, but wait patiently. Again, the, the world mocks because of their finite perspective. It's been so long since his promise to return. We talked about this last week that in the Bible it says a day, to the Lord, a day is to a thousand years as a thousand years is to a day. Well, from Adam... To Abraham was 2,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus is 2,000 years. From Jesus to us, it's 2,000 years. And we're going to come back at the end of the rapture and rule and reign with the Lord for 1,000 years, which is a 1,000-year, a, a one-day Sabbath, if you will, on this planet. So it's been six days, and the seventh day is coming. Amen? And so God is, God is right on time always. Again, he desires that none should perish. He's awaiting the fullness of the Gentiles for the last one of the elect to be saved, and I'm glad he waited for me. And then finally, continue to grow spiritually. We should never be satisfied with where we are with the Lord. We should always desire to be closer to him. I catch some static when I say this, but that's okay. I truly believe that you're either drawing closer or you're falling away. I don't believe there's a static walk with the Lord. I don't think you just kind of stay. I used to say when I was a youth pastor, it's like a grease pole, either climbing up or sliding down, amen? We're either getting closer to the Lord or further from him. And the way we get closer to him is we spend time in the word. We spend time in fellowship. We start using the gifts God's given us to minister to other people. Uh, we spend time, again, on our knees in the presence of Almighty God. So continue to grow spiritually. Remain steadfast. Don't allow outward persecution or inward false teaching to cause you to fall away. Look, if Satan can't take you to hell with him, he wants to distract you. And have you so focused on everything else that you're ineffective for the kingdom of God? It's been said that you can have a saved soul and a wasted life. And we don't want a wasted life. We don't want to be that lukewarm church 
that is talked about in the book of Revelation. Amen? May we be hot or cold, for lukewarm will spew us out of his mouth, and then keep growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. All right, hold on to your hats. Here we go. You ready? Verse 10. Verse 10. It's all going to burn. Living in light of God's promises and his coming judgment. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. So when you, when you see the word but or therefore in the Bible, we know it ties to the previous verse. So let's go back and read verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But he is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So what does he say? He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to be saved. It's his desire. The reason he's long-suffering is there's still more people that need to hear the gospel. But then it says, so he's going to be long-suffering. He desires that none should perish, but the day of the Lord will come. Again, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise of eternal life, but also not slack concerning his promise of coming again. He's long-suffering as he patiently waits for men and women to repent, as he's not willing that any of us should perish. You know, I want to say this for all of us. One of my prayers is, Lord, help me to see people the way you do. Help me to love people the way you do. Give me the burden for the eternity, for their eternity, the way you are burdened for their eternity. And you know what? When we have that burden, we quit being so gun-shy to lovingly and graciously share the truth of the gospel. And guys, here's the reality. It's really not that hard. It's the enemy who makes you think that it is. Amen? Here's a question you can ask anybody, and, and you know, you might get hit once in a while, but that's okay. But I've asked it three or four times this week to my clients. We get done with our advertising. You know, you guys don't have a full-time job. We get done, and I say, you know what, look, I just want to say something. This world's in turmoil right now, and the Bible talks about it. And I said, but let me ask you a question. If you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? And you have people pause. You have people walk away. <laughs> but isn't that the ultimate question? Amen? Let me ask all of you, if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? I would hope so. I, and it's not a hope so, it's a no so. Amen? And we need to know that. If you don't know for sure, don't leave here without knowing for sure. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. So he suffers long, but the day of the Lord is coming. And I'm, so, I'm excited about the day of the Lord. Because I know the Lord. Amen? If you don't know the Lord, look out. It's going to be heavy. Now, the day of the Lord, there's some debate about what this encompasses. But the day of the Lord, encompassed in the day of the Lord, I'm convinced that the day of the Lord speaks of an extended period of the fulfillment of prophecy throughout Scripture of the Lord bringing about end times, the end of this age. And it begins with the rapture of the church. So what else has to happen for the church to be raptured? What's the answer? Nothing. There's no other Bible prophecy that needs to take place. There's nothing else that needs to be fulfilled. At least if you're premillennial, pre-trib like I am and the Calvary Chapel movement is, and you might be mid-trib, so you're looking for the Antichrist. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Christ. Can I get an amen to that? I'm not trying to figure out who the Antichrist is because I'm not going to meet him and I'm not afraid of him and I'm not worried about him because I'll be hanging out with Jesus when he gets here. Can I get an amen to that? So as believers... We should be prepared for the fact that the rapture of the church could come at any moment. Now, after the rapture, there's a seven-year tribulation described in, in, in Daniel and Ezekiel. It's throughout Scripture, you can see it, Thessalonians. And it talks about this seven-year period when 
the, now imagine, look at the mess the world's in. Imagine if you took all the Christians away. What would happen if the Holy Spirit is removed from the face of the planet? You think he's not there now because of what's going on, amen? There was a lady that was running for office here in Newberry Park, Thousand Oaks, that said the best thing that could happen for our schools is that we got all the Christians out of here. Well, she's going to find out about what it's like with all of the Christians out here. And I hope that God uses that to wake her up. Amen? But imagine what that will be like. There will be wars and rumors of war. There's going to be so many things taking place. And the, uh, there's going to be the Antichrist revealing himself. And you know what? We've learned through COVID that people are lemmings. Amen? They just follow whatever. And so you just follow. And so imagine if all the Christians are gone, there's no Holy Spirit here. And now everybody's starving and there's all kinds of turmoil. And some guy comes along with an answer and they're all just going to follow him, you know, hook, line and sinker. And then he's going to, three and a half years in, he's going to go into the temple and proclaim himself to be God. Then they're going to realize they've been duped. And then three and a half years of bold judgments and, and you know, all the judgments of God being poured out upon the earth. And see, that's why I know we're not going to be here because God has not appointed us unto wrath. We are his children. Amen? He delivered Noah out of the flood. Amen? He delivered Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah before he turned it into an ash heap. Amen? So that's our God. So the day of the Lord is coming. Then after the seven-year tribulation, there's the second coming of Christ. Now, the first time he rode in Jerusalem, he rode in on a donkey, Prince of Peace, who came to suffer and die to restore sinful man back to holy God. When he comes back again, he's going to come back riding on a white horse. And he's not going to come in, you know, timidly. We're going to come with him. And he's going to bring destruction. Do you know that we're going to come back with them? They're going to be at war, and they're going to turn and point their missiles at the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and they're going to find out how that works out. Amen? <laughs> and God's going to bring victory. And then we're going to rule and reign upon the earth with him for a thousand years, seeing what the world would be like with God on the throne. And I long for that. How about you? And then at the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be loosed. He's going to be chained up during that thousand years. He's going to be loosed because there are going to be people that are born. There's going to be people that make it through the tribulation that are still having children. Population is growing. And at the end of the thousand years, Satan is going to be loosed. And people are going to have to choose between the God that they've been following for a thousand years on the earth or the one that's been in charge or Satan. And many will still choose Satan. Tragic. At the end of the millennial kingdom, again, that brief rebellion led by Satan, the great white throne judgment will take place. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, and we will see all of this in much greater detail in a couple of months when we start the book of Revelation. I'm looking forward to that. Amen? So while the world will be surprised, as Christians, we should not be surprised by what's going on in the world around us. Again, it all starts with the rapture of the church followed by the tribulation. Notice it says he will come as a thief in the night. Again, when people don't expect it, when the world least expects it, when people are asleep, they aren't looking for his coming in the midst of darkness. You know, darkness speaks of a time of spiritual blindness and moral depravity. I never thought I would live in a time when no one could define what a man is or a woman is. I never thought I would see the day. But I should not be surprised. Amen? We can't even define 
every doctor said when you were born, it's a, or a, amen. It's a, I don't know. We'll find out when they decide to identify. Stop it. Amen. But this is the last days. We're living in a time when they will call good evil and evil good. They're going to come as a thief in the night in the midst of spiritual blindness and moral depravity, in the midst of which he will deliver the righteous and pour out his wrath upon the wicked. Again, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. And again, so while the world will be surprised as Christians, we should live every day in expectation of his coming. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, amen? And we used to do that, point up, hey, we'd be ready. And, and people now will say, well, we've, he's been promising. And, you know, I, back in the 70s, 50 years ago, people talked about it. Well, this means we're 50 years closer. Amen? Let me read this to you. Send to 1 Thessalonians. Stay where you are. I'm going to read this to you. It's verse 1 through 11 and 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have not need that I write to you. For you, you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief at the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. So it is that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of the light. And sons of the day, we are not of the night or of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love as the helmet of hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us that whether we wake or we sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other, edify one another, just as you were also doing. Amen, amen, and amen. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be uptight. We don't need to be all wigged out about what's going on in the world. It fulfills what the word of God said would take place in the last days, amen? And it's going at a greater and a greater Raid. And again, we don't know the day or the hour, but as Christians, we can recognize the seasons. Again, we're, we are not in the darkness, and we should not be surprised while the world walks in the dark. Then it says there, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat, thus the, it's all going to burn. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. The word for great noise there means a rushing noise, like that of a whizzing arrow, the crash of a devouring flame. And the elements will melt in the fervent heat. The word melt there is to loose or untie. The Lord need only let go for a moment. See, all the, I love, you know, follow the science. Does anybody else want to throw up every time you hear that? First of all, nobody follows the science more than we do because our God is omniscience, because science means knowledge, and he is the all-knowing, almighty, all-powerful God. And they try to determine things, leaving God out of the equation. That's why they're a mess, because the equation doesn't work without God at the center of it. And he's the one that holds the whole universe in his hands. And right here, when the world melts away, all he has to do is let go for a second. And it's all going to fall apart. Amen? Praise God that he holds it 
got the whole world. There you go. Gotta love children. You gotta love Sunday school. It's good stuff. So the fervent heat will burn up and set fire. And it's, you know, and, and the Lord will just let go. Again, you know, some people say it sounds like a nuclear meltdown. It's, it's going to make nuclear. Look, what, is, what's make, what makes nuclear bombs nuclear bombs? Splitting atoms. What happens when he lets all the atoms split? What happens when he lets every molecule go? What's going to happen? There, there's a big bang, but it's not in the past. It's coming. Can I get an amen to that? And it's by the hand of God. Amen? Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. All that man has strived to build and obtain and accumulate is going to burn. I used to say when I was a youth pastor, it's like we're fighting over deck chairs on the Titanic. Amen? It's like we want the best seat on the sinking ship. You know, the ship's going down and people are fighting over who gets the presidential suite. Amen? Get me on the boat and get me to shore. Amen? Well, the boat is the cross of Calvary. Amen? And the ship is going down and people are fighting over that which doesn't matter. And they're, you know, buying stuff they don't need with money they don't have to impress people they don't know. Amen? And so this is the world we live in today, and they're just striving for stuff that just doesn't matter. Amen? And we need to be mindful of eternity. All the man has strived to build and obtain and accumulate. You've heard me say it. You've never heard, seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Amen? When you die, you live. You know, someone, said, someone said, well, he was a rich man. How much did he leave? And the guy said, all of it. Naked you came into the world, naked you will go out. God created you in your mother's image, and you will stand before the creator in the end. And the only thing that's going to matter is what have you done with God's son. It says it will all be burned up. It will be burned down to the ground, wholly consumed. And again, all that you spend so much effort and time and energy to obtain. You know, it's been said that people spend their whole lives, uh, spend all of their time gaining wealth, and at the end of their life, they spend all their wealth trying to get some more time. And, you know, when we know the Lord, we're not fearful of that because you can't threaten us with heaven. Amen? It's all going to burn. The day of the Lord begins in darkness, the rapture of the church, the tribulation, and ends with a great atomic explosion and the great judgment of the earth by being dissolved by fire. And between these two great times, again, we have the tribulation, the coming of Christ to the earth, the millennial kingdom, the release of Satan. Again, I could talk about this for hours, but we will when we get to the book of Revelation. There will be re re uh, rebellion of those who, who again, uh, turn away from the Lord when Satan is loosed. We'll see Satan's final judgment. By the way, the next time Satan reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Amen? Amen? Satan's big at reminding you of how sinful you were in your past. Well, the Bible says that he has separated your sin as far as the east is from the west. And he chooses to remember it no more. You know, God can't forget, but he can choose not to remember. Amen? And he has chosen not to remember the very things that Satan continually reminds you of. Guys, the new heaven and new, the new earth will come into view. You know, I want to plan another trip to Israel, but if we don't get there, we'll get there at one point. Amen? There's a new Jerusalem coming. So point number one, the surety of his coming. Thank you, Lord. He's coming back. And if you know him, that's a promise to embrace. And if you don't know him, that's a warning to heed today. Amen? Amen. Secondly, how we should live in anticipation 
of his soon return. The first thing is live holy. Live holy. See, a lot of people say, well, if the end is coming, I want to go out and sow a bunch of wild oats and live like the world and party, you know, party like it's 1999. I want to just go for it until, you know, I just want to live my life and sow my wild oats. First of all, I say it all the time, God doesn't give us his law to keep us from fun, but to keep us from harm. And if we will obey the Lord, our lives will be fruitful and joyful. Amen? And if we disobey the Lord, they'll be difficult and trying and harmful. Notice what he says there. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be? So in light of the fact that all this stuff's going to burn, I, I know some of you bought a new car. It's going to get a dent. It's coming. <laughs> and you know that car you bought 20 years ago is now a rust bucket in, in some place, right? And the stuff that, that we hold so tightly to, it's all, it's all passing away. The only thing that's permanent is, is people. Amen? And what have you done with God's son will determine where you spend eternity. Since the world, again, everything in it will burn up, what manner of person ought you to be? Not like the scoffers who continue in their ungodly behavior, who walk according to their own lust. Those who question and mock, where's the promise of his coming? He hasn't come yet. When people say that to me and they say it to me, I said, yeah, because he's waiting to see if you're going to get saved or not. You know what? We can get out of here. Maybe you're the one holding us up. Let's just pray right now. Maybe you're the last name on that book of life. They question, they mock. Those who live as if righteous judgment will never come. They'll also mock righteous judgment. Well, you know, I don't know if there is a God, and if there is one, then I'll probably be okay. But even if I'm not, if I don't go, all my friends will be, I'll be shaking hands with my friends in hell. I know you won't. Here's the reality. Heaven is way better than we can even imagine. And hell is way worse than we can even imagine. And where you spend eternity is what matters. Amen? Amen. Lazarus and the rich man. Go tell my family. As Christians born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, we should be living every day in light of God's promises and the coming judgment in anticipation of a soon return. He says, what manner of person ought you to be? Not someone who's materialistic. Not someone who puts all your efforts into accumulating stuff or just trying to be comfortable. That's what the world says. Well, they, you know, I'm, I'm almost 60 now, so they'll say to me, well, when are you going to retire? You know, can you retire comfortably? I'm not supposed to be comfortable, and neither are you. That's why the Lord gives us the comforter to comfort us in our uncomfortableness. Amen? <laughs> because we live in a fallen world. And we're not supposed to be comfortable here. You know, I, don't, I know some of you like camping. I, I, don't, I don't get it, but that's okay. <laughs> I don't understand burning a week's vacation being a homeless person. I don't understand that. <laughs> never got it. But let me say this. Even if you love camping, you know that's not your home. And, and you can't wait to get home at some point. You know, happy camper means the guy leaving the campsite, right? <laughs> Going home to get a shower, right? But what kind of person should we be? Not materialistic, because it's all gonna burn. A man's life does not consist of the things he possesses. Pour your life into serving the Lord and walking with him and having an impact on eternity. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Amen? And so we want to invest in that which is eternal. That will outlast this life. That will, that will impact eternity. I'll tell you what, I cannot wait 
for my first five minutes in heaven. How about you? I think it's going to be the most glorious family reunion ever. And as we all greet each other and the people that we knew and loved and went before, today was my dad's birthday. So if he was still alive, he'd be 87 today. But he's been in heaven for five years. And my dad longed for heaven. And heaven is better. Amen? He's having a heavenly birthday. It's better. But we need to live in light of eternity. The temporal will hold. When you, when you do, when you have an eternal focus, you don't get bummed out as much about little stuff. Amen? When you realize it's just not that important. It's all going to burn. Amen? It's all going to burn. Then he says this. He says right after that, be in, it says you ought to be in holy conduct and godliness. In light of the soon and coming judgment, we ought to, it ought to impact our behavior. If you knew that Jesus was coming back, we don't know. No one knows the day or the hour. But if you knew he was coming back next Saturday, would you live this week a little different? <laughs> Amen? First of all, I would hope we would witness to everybody we walk by. And sometimes we're so busy about chasing after the things of this world. And look, we should be the best workers in the building. We should do our job as unto the Lord. We should be good and godly parents. We should be wonderful neighbors. We should have the hearts of servants. All of that. But we don't want to be so focused on that which is temporal that we miss out on the eternal. Live holy lives and it will be, belief will be reflected in our behavior. If we truly believe that the earth soon will be righteously judged and dissolved with fervent heat, we should live holy and set apart lives in anticipation of his coming. Have you ever been doing something where you, said, where you thought in your mind, I hope he doesn't come back right now? <laughs> Amen? I need, to, I need to get some repenting doing before... Now he's forgiven us. Right now it'd be good. We're all church. Amen? Tent. We can go right through that tent. Amen? It's like camping. Amen? We got heaven waiting for us. We should live holy and set apart lives. Look what it says there in verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming day of God. Watching and waiting for his return. Living in anticipation of his return. Knowing that he could return any moment impacts our behavior. And again, I pray when he returns, he finds us busy about his work. I pray when he returns, we don't have our talent buried in the sand, but we're using it for his kingdom and for his glory. I pray that when he returns, he sees us with hearts of worship for him, longing to see him face to face. There's a song that came out called The Only Scars in Heaven. And so they used it at my son's uh, funeral. And and you know what? The only scars in heaven are the ones that are going to be hugging us and they're in Jesus' palms because all our scars are going to be gone. Amen? And because he was scarred for us, we won't be scarred in heaven. And I'm looking forward to that. How about you? And I promise you, no matter how great you think heaven is, it's better than that because it's finite minds trying to trans understand in the, in the infinite and the almighty and the all-knowing and the all-powerful. By the way, we have a taco truck for the agape feast. Heaven's food's better. <laughs> And you won't get fat, no cholesterol. Get all the bacon you want or whatever. It, whatever God's got in heaven is going to destroy the food on this planet. And, and, the, and the Bible talks about feasts all over the place, so we know we're going to be eating in heaven. Amen? Looking forward to having a feast with the Lord. Looking forward to taking the Lord's Supper with the Lord. Amen? It says, hasten his coming. How do we hasten his coming? That means, you know, speed it up. How do we do that? How do we hasten the coming of the Lord? By spreading the gospel, by sharing our faith, 
By fulfilling the Great Commission. Why? Because it's those people being saved that is the last thing that will keep us from going to heaven. We need to be sharing our faith. We need to live every day like the Lord could come back tonight because he can. If you might say, and I hear this from Christians sometimes, well, you know, I want the Lord to come back, but there's a few more things I want to do down here before he gets here. Yeah, exactly. I, you have some people say, well, you know, I'd like to get married, or I'd like to have some grandchildren. And those are all wonderful things. But as much as grandchildren are amazing, heaven's better than grandchildren. Amen? Amen. Whatever, whatever that thing is, you know, the, the next episode of your favorite TV, heaven's better. Going to Hawaii, Hawaii is a dung heap compared to heaven. Amen? Amen? And so people, when people say to me, well, I'd like to, a few things I want to do before I go. Dude, I, then you can hang out during the tribulation. God bless you. <laughs> Actually, you can't if you know the Lord. That's not going to happen. He says, because of which the heavens will be dissolved and being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. At his coming and, his, and presence from his, face, uh, from his face, the heavens and the earth shall flee away. Just as the earth shook the heavens at Mount Sinai. Remember what happened at Sinai? That was a small glimpse. What happened at Mount Sinai? God speaks from, the, from Mount Sinai and the earth shakes. And there's fire on the mountain. And they hear the voice of God. And what did they do? They all ran away. Just hearing his voice scared them half to death. Put the fear of God in them, literally. Amen? And they ran away. And they said, Moses, you go talk to him. And have, you, you go talk to him. And you let us know what he has to say. You come back and tell us. And when Moses spent time in God's presence, he came down glowing in the dark. Amen? Why? Because when he was in the presence of God, the power of God shone through his face. Amen? Guys, when, we, when we're hanging out with the Lord, we should reflect Jesus. Amen? Amen? I am not worthy of this compliment, but someone told me this the other day. She said, when I see you, I think of Jesus. I said, oh, no, no. He's a million times better, I promise. Go ask my wife. She'll let you know. <laughs> but I would say this. I do think that we should reflect Jesus. Amen? Amen. We should be loving and kind and gracious. And we should speak the truth with boldness. And we should reflect our Savior. Amen? Less of us and more of him. We must decrease that he might increase. An atomic blast that will dissolve the universe. And again, talk about, the word about global warming. The warming people need to be worried about is more than global. It's universal and it's eternal. We don't want that. Amen? But we're all, people are trying to save Mother Earth. The Earth is not my mother. Amen? Now, should we be good stewards? What's the answer? But we don't worship it. Amen? Notice what he says in verse 13. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Boy, we need a place where righteousness dwells. Amen? We're going to be there where righteousness dwells. Where there is no unrighteousness, where God is on the throne. Our hope of true righteousness is not in this world, but in the one to come. Now we should live holy and shine brightly and proclaim the righteous truth of the gospel, all the while have an eternal perspective of the coming new heavens and the new earth. I don't want to step on anybody's toes, but here's the reality. Yes, I believe, by the way, we should vote this week, amen? amen. As Christians, we should vote. But I want to tell you something. The answer is not and will not ever be in the White House. It's on the throne of God. Now, we should vote godly. We should pray for the end of a, the murder of babies. Amen? 
We should pray for those things, and we should be, be vigilant about them. But if you're putting your hope in a candidate, you've got your hope in the wrong place. Our hope is in Christ. And he's going to rule and reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. And he's on the throne. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf right now. That's our God. Amen. So put your hope in him. He will never fail you. Tells them, according to his promise, the new heavens and the new earth. And look at verse 14. Therefore, beloved, looking forward, looking forward to heaven, looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth, looking forward to the millennial reign on this planet with our God. Notice what it says. Be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Ooh. So we should live in such a way that we honor the Lord in the way we live our life. And then when he comes back for us, he finds us busy about his work, having been transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word. Amen? That he would find us, that we would be easy to recognize. You know, it's interesting, uh, you know, my full-time job, and I don't, we work from home now, kind of like everybody else because of COVID, but when I would work in the office, there would be, always be people that would mock the Christians in the office, and they would say things about you, and they wouldn't invite you when they went to lunch at Hooters, which is just fine. <laughs> I'm in my cubicle, everybody's gone, oh, they must have gone to Hooters, because nobody asked me. But, but the point is, those same people that want nothing to do with you when they want to go out and party. By the way, that's a horrible word. It's not party. Drunkenness, okay? Those are the same people that when their spouse is diagnosed with cancer or one of their children is struggling with addiction will come to you and ask you to pray for them because they know that you're somebody that prays and knows God. Amen? And we should live in such a way that we represent him well enough that those people can come and say, Hey, you know what? I just found out my dad's got cancer. Can you pray? I've got a customer of mine I've had for 11 years. His name's Tom Burnett. Pray for him. He's got cancer. Doesn't know the Lord. But when I said to him, hey, Tom, I want to pray for you. He goes, would you? I'd appreciate that. They're giving me like a year to live. I said, well, let's pray about that. But what's really important is where you're going to spend eternity. But I'm going to pray for you. And I've been praying for him every day. And I'm going to keep praying for him. And I, my prayer is that God will heal him and God will use that to open that man's eyes to the truth that he'll get saved and his family will get saved and God will be glorified. Amen? Amen. But guys, see, we, but we can pray for them and they will even ask us for prayer if we live for the Lord. If you're a hypocrite, nobody wants to hear from you. Amen? They will mock you. Don't, don't say you're a Christian and live like the world. Amen? Got enough of that. If you got a Christian dove on your car, drive the speed limit. Amen? <laughs> Let's honor God in our behavior. Some of you say, I can't pull in, I drive too fast. Slow down and honor God. Amen? But notice he says there, peace without spot and blameless. And it seems impossible, but again, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. He calls us to be holy for he is holy. We want to not... We need to look at sin the way God looks at it. What does God think about sin? What's the, what's the answer? He hates it. And, and because we, we've gotten so, uh, you know, moral relativism of this world, we get desensitized to sin, and some of us no longer hate it. Or we will grade sins. Well, that's not that big a deal. That's just a little white lie. A half-truth is a whole lie. Amen? And we need to look at those areas and, and say, Lord, be there any wicked way in me. Show me, Lord. 
Help me to walk in the center of your will. So point number one of how to live in anticipation of a soon return, live holy. Number two, wait patiently. Look at verse 15. And consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, as also our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. The reason he was, has not brought judgment upon the earth, the reason why he suffers long is salvation. That's what the verse says. Look what it says. Consider that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. He is suffering long because salvation, because people need to be saved. He suffered long upon the cross of Calvary, and now he suffers long enduring what's going on in this world right now because he desires that none should perish, no, not one. He wants to see people saved. He wants to give us an opportunity to know him. Now then he says our beloved brother Paul, and I love this. This is the end of Peter's life. And he mentions Paul. Do you guys remember what happened with Peter and Paul? They kind of had a disagreement. You guys remember that? In the Galatians, Peter ate with the Gentiles, taking in food, sitting with them. But when, the, when he came around the Jews, he separated himself from the Gentiles. And, and Paul called him out. Basically called him a hypocrite. Bro, you were eating with the Gentiles, so the Jews showed up. And now you're worried about what they think, so now you won't hang out with the Gentiles anymore. So Peter and Paul had some conflict. Paul stood up, he rebuked Peter, and accuses him of being a hypocrite living one way when the Gentiles alone in another way in the presence of the Jews. And you know what, sometimes as Christians we'll do that. We'll be on fire for God when we're with a bunch of other Christians, but when we go to the workplace and we're outnumbered, sometimes we're not so vocal. Sometimes we can almost be ashamed of the gospel if you look at our behavior. People curse God's name, and we say nothing. People's lives, are, the Holy Spirit's prompting you to speak up, and you say nothing. Why? Because, and you know what? We, we, we'll pray for people more easily than we'll tell people about the Lord, because it's easier to talk to God about men than to talk to men about God. Amen? Because we know the Lord is a faithful and a receptive person that we can talk to, and he will hear our prayers. He gave the false impression that, that, that God feels different about the Jews than he does the Gentiles. That's what Peter did, and that's why Paul called him out. The Bible tells us there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, barbarian nor Scythian. We're all one in Christ. Amen? Amen. God doesn't, man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. Amen? We divide over class, race, ethnicity, uh, you know, hobbies. We, we have all these things that we'll divide over. And it's just stupid. Amen? Because there's only one division. Believers and unbelievers. Amen? Blood is thicker than water, but the Holy Spirit's thicker than blood. When we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. Amen? The only tribe I like to claim is I'm in the tribe of Jesus. Amen? I'm Scottish, American, Indian, English, all this other nonsense. Yeah, how much of that's going to matter in heaven? None of it. <laughs> Amen? There's neither Jew nor Greek. Paul rebuked openly, or Peter rebuked openly by Paul. But notice, at the end of his life, he's talking about Paul. That means there was restoration. Amen? And when there's division between godly brothers and sisters and people in Christ, we should not let the division remain because that's a tool of the enemy. Amen? We should be loving and kind toward each other. If you've got somebody you've got a problem with, fix it. Amen? So he was rebuked openly. 
called him our beloved brother, Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. Verse 16, as also in the epistles speaking uh, in them to these things, in which some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of Scripture. Here, here's why we need to preach the, the deep truths of God's word simply. As my dad used to say, keep the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can reach them. What that means is you can take deep truths and teach them in a simple way. You're not going to hear me up here saying, well, the aorist tense and the past participle of the Greek verbiage and the whatever. I study it that way. I understand what it means. And then I just say, the original language, this is what it means. Guys, you can take deep truths and teach them simply. And what he's saying is going to take place. The things that are hard to understand, people won't teach. I know people that they go to a church that has never taught the Old Testament that never, has never taught revelation, that skips over verses that are difficult and call out sin, and nothing less than a whole Bible makes a whole Christian. We're to teach, as Paul said, I'm innocent in the blood of all men, for I've not failed to declare to you the whole counsel of God. We want to teach the whole Bible. Paul preached grace so heavily, some twisted the teaching as to promote cheap grace. They undo the word of God. There's these people online right now, and they call it progressive Christianity or deconstructing my Christianity, which means you're in open rebellion walking away from God, or you're interpreting scripture in a way that makes you feel good about your sinful behavior. Let me tell you right now, if you ever interpret a verse that makes you feel good about your sinful behavior, you're reading the wrong book. Amen? And if anybody ever tries to make you feel good about your sinful behavior, that it's okay, you need to leave that church in a hurry. Amen? And just because somebody has reverence, if they have reverence in front of their name, I don't trust them already. Because when people send me letters with reverend on it, I know they never met me. Because the reality is, we revere him. Amen? He's, he, him and him alone. But just because somebody has a platform, just because somebody's behind a pulpit, just because somebody has a following on TikTok, does not mean that what they are speaking is the truth. And the way you can recognize the lie is to know what this book says. Amen? And he's saying here, unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of Scripture. So they'll take the Bible, and here's, here's one I hear a lot. Nowhere does, does, the, does Jesus condemn homosexuality. There's 40 verses. Well, you know, uh, well, and they're parroting things they've heard from us. Nowhere in the Bible does God condemn, you know, uh, you know, being rich or pursuing money. If you're a Christian, you should be rich because all Christians should be rich. That's not in the Bible. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Amen? But here's what happens is people who want to manipulate their, their, their church will change the word of God so they can get the church to make them wealthy. If you've got a pastor flying around a $20 million jet that he owns, something's wrong. Amen? But they twist the word our vice president tried to use the Bible the other day and pray for her. She needs Jesus, amen? But she tried to quote the Bible. We as good Christians should, and then she said it, and it was so out of context. I was like, this is what, they're twisting scripture. By the way, if you don't read the whole book and you take one verse, you're going to take it out of context every time, amen? 
And we need to be, if you take a text out of context, all you got left is what? A con. Amen. And they do that with all of Scripture, and we need to be mindful of that. We need to be careful with that. Interpreting Scripture to condone their sinful behavior, to make them feel good about their behavior. You know, some of them write whole other books to condone having 57 wives or to condone, you know, the fact that they'll be God of their own planet. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a watchtower they send out every month. It's a magazine that they say usurps the word of God. Stop it. You know what, though? The people that are caught up in that need to hear from those of us who know the truth. We need to tell them the truth. We need to do it in love. Don't be self-righteous. We're one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? Woman caught in adultery. What did Jesus say to her? The end result. First he said, where are your accusers? And then he, then he started writing stuff in the sand. And we don't know what they wrote, but I have an idea. He, you know, he wrote, you know, Rabbi Sam, adulterer with four women's names. Oh. Dropped his rocks and walked away. And he kept writing in the sand, and all of a sudden all the accusers left. But he didn't stop and say, where are your accusers? He went on to say, go and sin no more. See, he's a forgiving God, a gracious God, but repentance means to turn. It means I was headed in this direction. This is the life I was living. Now I've given my life to the Lord, and I turn around, and now I follow him. I no longer follow my fleshly desires. I'm no longer chasing after uh, the pleasures of this life that are all going to destroy me. I've surrendered all that to follow the one who created me. The one who loves me so much, he'd rather die than live without me. And I want to follow him with my whole heart. I want to make him not just my savior, but my Lord. Final point. Live holy, wait patiently, continue to grow spiritually. Look at verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. I don't care if everybody who calls himself a Christian does it. If it's contrary to the word of God, we are not to do it. Amen. Amen? We don't follow the example of men. We follow the example of our Savior and the truth found in his word. Since you know this beforehand, beware, because you could fall away. Being led away by the error of the wicked. Remain steadfast. Face the outward persecution and the inward false teaching to allow neither of them to excuse you to walk away from the Lord. A lot of what I see when they do the deconstructing online, they'll always talk about somebody in their church that harmed them. And that's horrible. That's horrible. There's a young woman who I started following and I'm trying to witness to her. And she said, well, I walked away from the church. I was on the worship team. And then, you know, the pastor took advantage of me and basically, you know, forced himself on me, and I'm done with the church. And you know what? That pastor is going to answer to Almighty God for that, and that guy should be out of it. Can I get an amen to that? But that being said, if every one of us who's been failed by a man or a woman walks away from the Lord, again, it's harmful. I'm not downplaying the pain that comes, but we don't keep our eyes on people. We keep our eyes on Jesus, and he will never fail you. Amen? He will never fail you. And it's so hard because the enemy won twice. Got someone to harm this woman, and now he's got this woman walking away because of the wickedness of this man in a position of authority. And that's heartbreaking, isn't it? Be steadfast, even to death if necessary. Easier to say for yourself, harder to call others your or like your children to do the same. But God's called us to take a stand for the Lord. And I've said this repeatedly. I don't think COVID changed the church. It just revealed where it was. 
And I still catch heat for it, and that's okay. I can't believe you endangered your people. I'm, I look, if anybody's got a, a condition, you want to stay and watch the live stream, please do. But if you can go to the grocery store, you can come to church. Amen? If Home Depot is open, church should be open. By the way, if they're all closed, we're still going to be open. Because I'm more burdened about your eternity than anything else. I, I want to make sure you're fed, loved, cared for, and ministered to. Amen? Amen. Finally, keep on growing in grace and the knowledge of the Lord. Look at verse 18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Continue growing in your knowledge of the Lord. Guys, you should know him better tomorrow than you know him today. You should know him better in a month than you know him right now. And the way that that will happen... Faith comes by hearing and hearing by? There's no substitute. It's not a conference. You know, conferences are fine. All these things are fine. But you know where you grow the most? When you open up your Bible and spend one-on-one time with the creator of the universe. You know what? God knew I needed to be in the Bible a lot, so he made me a pastor. So I get to be in the Bible 40 to 50 hours a week. That's a good thing. But that's how we grow. Amen? And if we want to grow in faith, we want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord, we need to spend time with them. And then he says, to him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. If anybody knew about grace, it was Peter. Peter denied the Lord. Amen. And I love how he denied him three times. Third time at the hot coal fire. The word there for hot coal fire is anthrokia. It's only in the Bible one other place. You know how smells bring you back to something? And then after Jesus rose from the dead, after Peter had seen him, he's on the shore. He calls for Peter. Peter swims in. He's around a hot coal fire. It says anthrokia again. And no doubt as he's sitting there, he's reminded of the three times he denied the Lord. And what does the Lord say? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, Peter, feed my lambs, right? Peter, do you love me? And he changes from agape to phileo, but he's asking him, do you love me? And I love that he denied him three times, but the Lord gave him three opportunities to confess him. See, our God's a God of grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. When he rose from the dead, he told Mary, go tell the disciples, and especially Peter, that I have risen, because he knew that Peter was heartbroken because of the choices he had made. Guys, if, you, if you're a born-again believer, and you, you rebel for a time, or you backslide, as we used to say, do you know that our Heavenly Father wants you to come home? And he loves you. He's the picture of the prodigal son. You know, he, he took everything his father had. He went out and lived a wild and crazy life. He was eating pig slop, and he came home hoping he might be able to be a servant. But when his dad saw him coming, he, he put on his robe. He, he, you know, they, don't, they didn't run in those days. He pulled it up and ran to greet his son and put a robe on him, put a ring on him, and welcomed him into the family. The only time you see God running the Bible is running to greet his prodigal son. Amen? It's a picture of our Heavenly Father. Guys, if, if you've walked away... It's, you can take a thousand steps away, it's only one step back, amen? And then it says knowledge there, to grow in knowledge, it literally means to know by experience. You know, some of our greatest growth is through the greatest trials of life, enduring some of the difficulties. To him be the glory. You notice Peter doesn't take any of the glory. Let me just say this, let me close with this, and I don't know some of your backgrounds, but let me just make it clear. Peter, in the end, doesn't say, and... So long from your first pope. <laughs> he doesn't give, and this is to who's taking my place now. Here's a secession. 
We're going we're gonna to all get together and there's going to be some white smoke come out of a chimney and then you'll know who the new pope is. He doesn't talk about purgatory. He doesn't talk about different levels of sin. He doesn't talk about Mary being co-redemptive with Jesus Christ. He doesn't talk about going into a box and confessing your sin to a man and then praying with vain repetition so you can be forgiven. What does he say? To him alone be all the glory, the honor, and the praise. He points him to Jesus and Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Amen. No church saves you. We are the church. Jesus Christ is our Savior. Amen? So now we're going to go to a time of communion. But before we do, just quickly, it's all going to burn. Living a light, living in light of God's promises and his coming judgment. We need to know that he's coming. We have the promise that Jesus Christ is coming and live every day in light of that fact. How should we live in anticipation of his return? May we live holy lives, make him the priority and passion of our life, walk in faithful obedience to him. Wait patiently. The world mocks, oh, he's not coming. Why hasn't he come back? You faithfully wait upon the Lord and be busy about his work till he gets here and continue to grow spiritually. Never be satisfied with where you are with the Lord. We should always desire to be closer to him. Amen? Now, we're going to go to a time of communion. And that's something else we're going to do in heaven. Because Jesus said to them on that night when he was to be crucified, he held up the elements and told them what they were and pointed to the new covenant. And he told them that the next time you will take this with me, you will take this with me in heaven. So when we do this, we're looking back to the cross of Calvary. We're remembering the greatest act of love in all of human history. So here's what I want you to do. They're going to pass out the elements. The worship team's going to lead us in a worship song. I would encourage you to take some moments and spend it with the Lord. Look back to the cross and remember the greatest act of love in all of human history. But not only look back, but look within. Maybe this is a time of confession. Be there any wicked way in us, Lord. I want to surrender that to you. I want to be right with you. So look back to the cross, look within, examine your own heart, and then look forward. Because the Bible says that Jesus said to them, the next time I do this with you, I'll do this with you in heaven. Guys, this is a glimpse of what heaven's like, because in heaven we're going to worship, and we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Amen? And so right now we're going to get a little taste of heaven. But I want, let's do some business with the Lord in a sense. Let's spend some time in his presence, and just hold on to it, then I'll come up here, and we'll take it all together. Amen?